Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. President Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big Fifth. But if you ask me why, can you trust the answer? From Sleepy Hollow, New York, this is The Big Fib. And now, here's your host, Deborah The Goldstein. <laughs> Welcome to The Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the gorgeous autumnal pie of truth and the gnarly peduncled vine of lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live in Studio Audience. <laughs> I'm MC Lisa and I've got to say I got a listener question that I want to play. Wow, that's fun, Lisa. Yeah, I have the capacity to bring the beat every now and then. (laughs) Yes, you do indeed. And apparently a listener question too. Oh yeah, I got one of those uh, queued up and ready to go. Let's hear it. Here you go. Hi, my name is Momo. I'm from Lunds, but the country is Sweden. This question is for Lisa. What is your favorite color and why? Good question, Momo. Do you have a favorite color, Lisa? Well, first of all, what's up to all my Lunds heads? That's <laughs> my huge group of fans in Lunds. Glad to hear from you. Can't wait to come and visit Lunds on my lunch. <laughs> okay, to answer the question, yes, I do have a few colors that bring me what you humans would say is joy. I'm particularly fond of hex number 616161. Okay, the question was about your favorite color, not number sequence. Yeah, I'm aware of that. I'm telling you the color using hexadecimal code, which is what we advanced minds in the computing space use to define what you less advanced human brains think of as color. Oh, I see. Do you see? Because I'm not sure that when I tell you that hex number 616161 is one of my all-time favorite colors, can you see that color before your human eyes? No, I can't actually. Can you tell me what color our inferior human brains would see? Let me do some computational translating here. Six, uh, drop the six. Ah, my foot! I dropped a six on it! Uh, uh, Gray. The color would be gray. Red value, 97. Green value, 97. And the blue value of its RGB, you guessed it, 97. It's a metallic, robotic, beautiful gray. 
Well, gray is a very nice color. I can hardly think of a color more strong and bold, yet soothing and sophisticated. Maybe CC8899. Okay, can you translate that one for me and the humans listening to the show? (sighs) This is so inconvenient, but yes, let's see. I keep doing that. Uh, Puce, the color that humans call puce. Okay. And for those humans who may be unfamiliar with both the hexadecimal code and the color itself, puce would be like a pink, like a salmon-colored pink. Yeah, like the color of llama smoothies. Ah, yes. Okay, that makes sense. Well, thank you for the question, Momo. We're going to move on to an equally colorful topic, our game. Lisa, can you please share with everyone how our game works? Oh, you're going to love this. Every week, we bring on two grown-ups. Yeah, originally we had 10,000 grown-ups and it was too many. (laughs) So we scaled back to two. One is an expert and the other is a liar. And it's the job of a human child to help us figure out who is who. Because no one can spot a liar better than a kid. At least we hope. What are we lying about today? Deborah. We are lying about the pumpkin, a round type of squash that grows on a plant. And we're going to learn all about pumpkins along with our contestant today. So who might that be? Lisa. Our human child contestant is a 10-year-old who is a competitive swimmer, May Sion. Hi, May. Hi. How are you today? Good. How are you? Also good. Thank you for asking. So you swim against other swimmers, is that correct? Yes. Do you have a particular stroke that you do or do you do all of them? I like butterfly, but I mostly do all of them. All of them. Butterfly is a tough one, isn't it? You need to be pretty strong. Yeah. Good for you. Do you swim for a particular team? I do a year-round team called Tide, and I also do a summer swim team called Larkspur. Wow, so all year round, just swimming, swimming, just keep swimming, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, good luck in all your swimming endeavors. We do want to learn some more about you, May, but we're going to do it playing two truths and a lie. So, May, you are going to tell us two truths and one lie, but we will not know which is which, and we will have to use some critical thinking and maybe a little guesswork to figure out which one is the lie. So, May, in no particular order, please tell us your two truths and one lie. I have my own horse. I was born in Arizona, and I play the violin. Okay. I feel like all of those are believable, though I don't know very many people who have horses, but I do know there are some people who do. Lisa, what do you think? This one is very challenging, May, and I see what you did. Very, very clever. You almost got me. So she said she was born in Arizona. That one's definitely true. People live in Arizona. People have kids in Arizona. Therefore, totally plausible that she was born in Arizona. Okay. Now we get to the next one. I play the violin, she claims. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this one's interesting. I do know there's something called the violin. Yes. But then we go to I have my own horse. Now, this one is clearly the lie because she claimed earlier that she swims all year round. And if she had her own horse, one option would be that the horse drowns, which would be horrible. So that's probably a lie. Two (laughs) would be that she plays water polo with the horse. And if that's true, then she would have said she plays water polo. So (laughs) she does not own a horse. Thank you very much. Please send me my gift certificate. Well, hold on. Hold off. Hee-haw, whoa. Let's see what the actual lie is. May, which one of those statements is actually a lie? 
As much as I would like to play water polo, I do not have a horse. Lisa got <gasps> it right. I told you. How do you do that? I just, it's logic. I love horses, though. Yeah, horses are cool. Can you ride a horse? Yeah, I do it every summer, but I don't really have time since I do swimming. Right, so you're not riding the horse while swimming as well. No. Okay, so it means that you were born in Arizona and you play the violin also. You do many things, May. We're very glad that you took the time from your busy schedule to come and join us today. So how about pumpkins? Do you have any time in your busy schedule to learn much about pumpkins? I did some research, yeah. Okay, she's done some research. Watch out, experts. All right, well, it's time to welcome our experts. So, Lisa, can we get some music for our pumpkin experts? Roll, roll, roll your pumpkin gently down the stream. It will float past me because she is swimming in the stream. <laughs> okay. You know what? They're not all gems. Okay. Okay, our first expert is Regina Mendelo. Regina, please introduce yourself to May. Hello, May. My name's Dr. Regina Mendelo. I am an economic analyst. Okay, thank you very much. All right, let's meet our second expert, Steve Reiners. Steve, please introduce yourself to May. Hi, May. My name is Steve Reiners. I'm a professor of horticulture, and I study pumpkins. All right, then. Tell us about those sounds that are sweet as pumpkin pie, Lisa. You're going to want a slice of what I'm serving because it's hot seat time. That is correct. It is hot seat time. That is when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer May's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Regina, because I feel like everyone is always meeting someone named Regina, and I've never met someone named Regina, and it's finally my moment. Hi, Regina. <laughs> hello. You hear that? She just said hello. Like, she wasn't even like, oh, my name's Regina. It's no big deal. But to me, it's so cool. Oh, that's nice. Okay, May, what is your first question for Regina? Can you describe a typical day at your job? Yes, and it's not very exciting. We're based in Bethesda, Maryland. We do primarily work for the United States Department of Agriculture. And before COVID, we had a lot of meetings with different representatives, as well as lobbyist groups, agricultural interests in and within D.C. However, now it's about a lot of data analysis and meetings on Zoom. I'm afraid that's it. Oh, I love data. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Very important work. Okay, this one is for Steve. If I wanted to have your job, what advice would you give me? First thing, we want to make sure that you really like plants. And if that's the case, then we need to find you a good university to get your bachelor's, your master's, and your PhD. Because it's going to take a long time because I'm a professor and I've been in school for a long time to get a job like that. Okay, so for both of you, why are some pumpkins orange and others white? It's something called a carotenoid, which is an organic pigment. Now, some may be white, but you'll find that they are orange or a fleshy type color within the pumpkin. So it's a degree of carotenoid that is contained within the plant. What Regina said is true. It's the carotenoids, the same thing that gives carrots color. And it varies by variety. Some are very rich in carotenoids, others not so much. Some might be more yellow and they'll have xanthophils. And some just lack anything, and they're the kind of the whitish-looking, almost brownish type of pumpkins as well. But it all comes back to the color compounds in the fruit. 
How come some of them have like those triangle eyes and like that weird <laughs> smile and they have candles growing in them? You carve those. Oh. If I may, Lisa has reminded me there are pumpkins that are bred selectively to be obviously different colors. There is one, it's called the Batman pumpkin, and it has what appears to be almost a silhouette of Batman. You can selectively cultivate pumpkins that are blue-ish in color, black. I know that the University of California at Davis claims to have a rainbow variety. It's pretty spectacular, the variety that you can select. Okay, this one is for Steve. What steps would I have to take if I wanted to grow a very large pumpkin? Well, what you would need to do is probably dig down in your soil a couple of feet and fill it with compost and manure to make sure you've got some beautiful soil. You want to start with a variety that could potentially get 500, 1,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds or more. Start it early inside, transplant it outside, take very good care of it, make sure you only have one pumpkin developing on the vines. All the energy of the plant is going into that one fruit. You might want to cover it, give it a little shade, and put it on a wooden pallet to get it up off the ground so it doesn't rot. And then it's just a matter of giving it lots of food, lots of water, and taking really good care of it. And if you're lucky, you could be the world record holder and get one that's bigger than 2,700 pounds. Whoa, that's a big pumpkin. Okay, when, why, and how did you guys first become interested in pumpkins? I grew up in New Jersey, didn't come from a farm. And one time somebody had smashed a pumpkin on our street. I saved the seeds. And when I was about six or seven years old, I planted them in the backyard. And that's how I got interested in plants and vegetables. And from there, I was hooked. And I've been lucky enough to have a job working at a university and working with vegetables. So it happened when I was a little younger than you, May. All thanks to vandalism. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Why the love of pumpkins, Regina? Well, frankly, it wasn't pumpkins. It was the love of statistics and analysis, social science. And then when I started to specialize, I realized that there was a lot of opportunity at the Department of Agriculture. And I happened to be assigned to a specific department that studied only cucurbitaceous, like squash, and it even became more specialized after the years where I only dealt with pumpkins and pumpkin growers, and even more so the edible pumpkins, pie pumpkins. So it didn't start with botany as much as with math. Uh, math is such a gateway to botany. <laughs> That's what they always say. Be careful, everybody. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Yes, very good questions, May. Excellent. I hope you got some good facts from that. If you love The Big Fib, then check out Story Pillar, a podcast for kids and their grown-ups. Join Sneak, Bean, Sparky, and Meg as they tackle sticky social situations, explore stories from all over the world, and pick up great advice from listeners like you. They also save plenty of time for laughing and being silly. So if you've got feelings, love stories, and are open for a fart joke or a 10, Story Pillar is definitely worth a listen. Check it out at www.storypillar.com or wherever you love listening to podcasts. The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter Cat Litter. When my cat Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he is unwell. 
Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one of the reasons I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Like, not to brag, but when people come over, they might not know that I have a cat unless Arlo, who's huge, is in the room. Because the cat smell is not there. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can, which is really great because I'm lazy. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats are, like, really sneaky, and you often don't know how they're feeling, and the worst part of that is sometimes you don't know when they're sick. So knowing when my cat is sick based on the litter changing color is a game changer. And Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib, to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Okay, it's time for the Shorts on Fire round, when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then May will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. And then Lisa resets the timer for our next expert to do the same. Experts, get pumped! May, we're going to start with Regina. You can ask your Shorts on Fire questions now. How many varieties of pumpkins can we grow? 150 approximately. What did people put in the hollowed out pumpkin when they made the first kind of pumpkin pie in history? Honey and spices, molasses. I've also heard that they put mead in it. Which animal or insect do we need to grow pumpkins? Our beloved bee. Fact or fib, when Halloween is over, you can use your jack-o'-lanterns to make pie. Technically you could, but it's actually not regulated, so I would not eat it. Where did pumpkins come from originally? They're indigenous to America. And which comic ship can we find the great pumpkin who would rise from the pumpkin patch on Halloween and bring toys to children? Charlie Brown. Name two nutrients in pumpkin seeds. Zinc and I believe vitamin K. What was the first magazine to print an image of a jack-o'-lantern in 1867? I'm afraid I don't know that. What does the Great Pumpkin Commonwealth do? It's a British organization devoted to cultivating decorative pumpkins. And that is time. That's it. Sorry. No more. All right, Lisa, would you kindly reset the timer? You know, I'm in a good mood, so I'm going to say... Done. Excellent. Thank you so much. And May, you can ask Steve your shorts on fire questions now. How many pumpkins were planted in the United States last year? Don't know the number of plants, but the number of acres was about 75, 74,000. How big is the biggest pumpkin ever grown? 2,709 pounds. What did people use to make jack-o'-lanterns before they used pumpkins? Surprisingly, beets and potatoes and root crops that are really hard to cut. Which state in the United States grows the most pumpkins? Illinois. 
Fact of fib, the pumpkin is a fruit. It is a fruit. True. It's a hamburger. <laughs> what is the name of the race where people paddle on rivers inside huge hollowed out pumpkins? I don't know what the name of it is, but it probably varies by location. What is the name of the sport where you hurl pumpkins mechanically as far as you can go? Pumpkin chunkin. <laughs> what is the Spanish word for pumpkin seed that means little seed out of squash? I used to know that, and I can't remember. And that is time. That's all the time. Nicely done, experts. Well, it's decision time. May must harvest all the information she's heard to identify our liar today. May, who is our pumpkin fibber? I think it's Regina. <gasps> Why do you think Regina is our pumpkin fibber? And the shorts on fire, some of the questions were wrong. And I think Steve had almost all of them right. And I just think it all came down to the shorts on fire round. All right. Well, let's see. Will our pumpkin expert please say, I am the pumpkin expert? I am the pumpkin expert. <gasps> you got it right, May. That's right. Professor Steve Reiners has been a professor of horticulture at Cornell University since 1994. He researches and teaches vegetable production and is an expert in all things pumpkin. Well done. All right, let's do some fact-checking. Steve, what did our fibber say that was pure pulp fiction? I have to say, Regina did a fantastic job. But I'm not sure of the Batman pumpkin that she talked mm. about and the rainbow pumpkin. It's possible, but I think it would be very hard to do. But I didn't really find too many other mistakes that she had made in there. She did an excellent job. Okay, then, Regina, tell us how you ribbed us today. The Great Pumpkin Commonwealth is not British-based. That's right, yes. What it is is it's a group dedicated to the art of growing giant pumpkins, and they are extremely dedicated to that. <laughs> I see. They do not mess around. So that means that pumpkin chunkin' is a real thing. Is that right? I think we learned about that in school. Sounds like a cool school. I know. I think it started down in Delaware, but now they have it around the country, and apparently the furthest a pumpkin has ever been chunked is about a mile, about 5,500 feet. Whoa, that's crazy talk. Can I ask also, you shouldn't use jack-o'-lanterns for pie. That's what Regina said. But does it have to do with regulations, Steve? Not regulations. It's just that these have been bred for decoration. Uh, so it would be very stringy. It wouldn't taste very good. It would give you a horrible, horrible pie. But it oh. wouldn't hurt you in any way. There is no such thing as horrible pie. No. And the first magazine to print an image of the jack-o'-lantern in 1867, that was Harper's Weekly, just so you know. I had one more lie. They put cream molasses honey within the hollowed-out pumpkin, but I don't believe they put in mead. Yeah, and it sounds believable because it feels like that's a historic ingredient that people use quite a bit, right? Totally believable. Well, unfortunately, it's time to end the show before we all turn into pumpkins. Thanks to our contestant, May, for carving out the truth. Thank you to our expert and liar, Steve and Regina. And thanks to Lisa, who definitely had his pep on today. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into The Big Fib, where we squash lies and celebrate the truth. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media from more great shows. Visit gzmshows.com while you're there. You can find out how you can become a contestant on The Big Fib or send questions for me to answer on the show. And follow us on social media at The Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. Any questions? <laughs> None for me. Then I hereby close this meeting of the Big Fib.
Bye. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called the Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago. And it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.